0: Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord.
1: prepare to conclude our series in James. I'd like to ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of James. Actually, Bible check. Let's do a Bible check. It's been a couple weeks. Bible check. Hey, all right, South Bay. Got some swords in the house. James chapter 5. going to begin reading at verse number seven and read through the end of the chapter. James chapter five, verse number seven. If you have it, say amen. 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 Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Or you will be condemned. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him. And anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops my brothers if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back remember this whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins father we thank you for your word we thank you for our time together as a family hearing from your servant james So, Father, as we come together today, God, we didn't come to hear from a man, we came to hear from you. So, Father, grant that your spirit be unleashed in this place. Grant that every heart and mind and soul in this place may be renewed and restored. Grant that we may come into the presence of, of a divine and holy and righteous God. And that we may be changed. We ask these things trusting in the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit and all God's children said amen. amen. So as we come to the end of our series this Sunday. I want to encourage us to hear. Um from the heart of James. I think James is turning a corner of sorts as we come into this last uh, portion of his letter. We've been on an interesting ride with James over the past several weeks. Um, James is speaking to us, though. Back from chapter 1 at the very beginning of the book, James clarifies that he is speaking to the scattered believers among the nations, those who have endured every type of trial and testing. And he's coming back to speak a message of hope and encouragement to those of us who are dealing with trials and tribulations. I skipped the first portion of chapter five because we dealt with it earlier, uh, in, in week three or four when we were talking about injustice and our, uh, skewed view of material wealth and possessions. But it's important as a launching point for this last portion of scripture because he's talking again about the rich people who have uh, abandoned their compassion for the uh, less fortunate, for those who have less resources. And he's speaking a word of condemnation for those who have not been generous and followed the heart of God for the poor and the mistreated. He speaks very harshly in the first six or seven verses of uh, first five or six verses that they have judgment coming upon them. And then he turns and it's almost like you can hear him turning away from those that he's accusing, turning back to those who have been the victims, who have been suffering under the hands of people that treated them unjustly. And I believe with the pastor heart, he begins by telling them, to be patient. I've entitled this sermon today. Wait. Pray. And love. Wait. Pray. And love. Now many of you will. Um, catch the fact that that is. Close to a popular book and movie title that was out a few years ago. Called eat pray and Love. Well, she got two out of three right. Um, I believe James is giving us that same pattern for how we go through this journey of life. When I looked at the the subtitle, can we turn this monitor down, please? Um, When I looked at the subtitle, I believe it was something like one woman's journey to find out about everything or something like that. Um, And so she was on this journey. And we've been on this journey with James. James is trying to usher us in to a, a journey of faith that will sustain us through the difficulties of life because we have difficulties in this life. And he gives us this three-part formula that I think we'll see is not uh, an accusatory thing. We, we've had a couple of rough times with James. James. James has told us about our tongues. He's told us about our attitudes. He told us about our tendency to to favor those who have more material wealth. He's held a mirror up to our face and told us that there are many times when we fall short of the calling that God has called us to live. And that as Christians, if our religion is going to be worth anything, it must be lived out in service and it must be lived out in a desire to stay free from the pollution of this world. And he calls us urgently to take hold of that great calling and to walk that we may bring glory to God in our lives. But pastoring has has two sides to it. There's a a tension. Pastors and James was a pastor for believers in this young church. Uh, Pastors are called to be the local resident theologian. Pastors are supposed to know the word of God and be able to teach and preach and explain the word of God and make sure that the people are understanding who is this God that we say that we uh, revere and that we honor and that we dedicate our lives to. And there has to be a passion for understanding these mysteries of God that the pastor is, is encouraged to give forcefully to the people of God that they may respond. But pastors are also shepherds. They're also called to care for God's people. To use the staff to try to protect God's people from things that may harm them. To to find the lost one who's off on their own and to bring them back into the family of God. To care and show compassion. And I don't want us to miss James' pastoral heart that's speaking to us now. He's not giving us a lecture. He's not angry He's trying to usher us into the very presence of God that we may be safe, that we may be secure, that we may be healed. In the midst of the oppression, in the midst of difficult circumstances, James says, You who believe in God, be patient until the Lord's coming. He gives us the picture that we are to be farmers in the kingdom. Farmers. And, and we kind of lose some of the weight of this, uh, this analogy because we are so far removed from, from an agricultural society. But I, I want you to think about this. This is first century Palestine. You basically live in a desert. Very harsh circumstances. And you are a farmer. Your very life, the life of your family, the life of everyone in your town and village is based on what you grow out of the ground. And given the fact that you live in these harsh conditions, rain is something far beyond your control, but something you are desperately dependent upon. And there's basically two times in the year when they can expect rain. And and, and so what he's saying is, as the farmer waits patiently for the land to yield its valuable crop. How patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. Do you realize that in this, in this society, in this time, most of the time as a farmer, you do what you did. You, you got some good seeds and you, you scattered them and you worked the earth and, and you did all that you could and you're ready and now you sit around and you wait for the rain. You can't make it come any sooner. You can't make it rain any more or any less. You are completely dependent on the Lord delivering the rain for you. And it's a life or death situation. Everything hangs in the balance. But you don't have any other choice anyway. All you can do is wait for the Lord. It's hot and dry. You wait for the Lord. You're not sure if, if, if the ground is going to work. You're not sure if the weeds, you, you don't know how all that stuff is going to work out. You did all that you could. And now you wait on the Lord to do the things for you that you can't do on your own. He then calls us not only are we to be farmers, but he says you're also Prophets. He says, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. You know, it can be rough being a prophet, but that's what he's called us to be. To be people who are speaking the word of God, the truth of God, uncompromising, unwavering, holding fast to the revelation of God and what he desires for us, no matter what the current cultural current says. No matter if it's popular or unpopular. No matter if you're the only one. Matter of fact, most of the time the prophets were the only one speaking the word of God among a group of people who had no desire to hear what the Lord had to say. But he said, if you do that, you can expect some hard times coming your way. Now, the Bible tells us it doesn't really do you any good if you stole something and got caught and took, taken to prison. Now you're suffering for something that you did bad. That doesn't really mean anything. That's just our own... Consequences. But if we're suffering for our faithfulness to the word of God, if we're suffering because we refuse to compromise to what the culture was saying is right. If we refuse to be overwhelmed and polluted by false wisdom and half-truths and stand firm on the word of God and be a bright light in dark places and not compromise our convictions or our values or our morals. Now, let me break that down a little clearer. Maybe you're suffering because you're single and you're trying to figure out what it means to live pure in a world who could care less about purity. Maybe you're on the other side of a marriage that ended in divorce. And you're trying to figure out how to put the pieces back together, how to get healing for yourself, how to give forgiveness and how to receive forgiveness, how, how, how to make sense of a life and, and, and deal with your children that are still years later dealing with the ramifications of a broken home. Maybe you're dealing with conflicts in your marriage. I was talking to the brothers today. We'll we'll hear a little bit more from brother Tony, but he was he was uh, Kevin Tony, but he was speaking about a a marriage in his own testimony because we stand up here every month and we say the anniversaries and we pray for people and we rejoice. But underneath the covers, things are broken. Underneath the underneath the surface, marriages are hurting and falling apart. And we're carrying it around. Lost. And broken. and the pastor and James is telling us that we have an out, we have a healer for those circumstances. that if we can hold firm to the truth of God and allow his power and his deliverance to work a miracle where our strength can't accomplish anything, then we can be a powerful weapon in the hand of God, and our religion will actually mean something. He then goes on and talks about Job. Now we all know Job. Job's been famous for a long time. Job is famous. Why? Because he managed to persevere in the face of incredible, difficult times of loss and suffering. What did Job do? He held on. He had to deal with death and loss. He had to deal with his own physical body and infirmity. He had to deal with friends coming around giving horrible advice. He had to deal with his own wife who said, you should just give up and die. That's a cold-blooded woman right there, by the way. Can I throw that in there? Who that's cold. <laughs> but even those closest to him looked at his situation. And felt like he was hopeless. But Job would not be moved. He knew who God was. He knew how much God cared for him. He couldn't explain the circumstances. He didn't know why his body was raging and and aching. He didn't know why people he cared about had been taken from him suddenly. He didn't know why his financial situation, which was so secure, was taken away from him. He had no reason to understand what was happening, but he held firm onto God. He wouldn't let go. He wouldn't turn his back. He wouldn't deny the truth. He He wouldn't speak falsely against his God. He just held on and he received a blessing because of his perseverance. We got to learn how to wait for God. We're so impatient. We're such a microwave society. I was making some French fries for lunch yesterday and I was mad that I had to put them in the oven for seven minutes before I could eat my french fries. I was mad. I'm looking at the bag. I'm like, there's got to be a microwave instruction on here. We, we want everything right now. We've been trained that the, that the thought of waiting for God to move, that, that there are times and seasons and even in the midst of suffering, God is still there in the midst of it. And he's working something together for our benefit because he knows his people and he even knows a little bit about suffering because he who had no sin came down among us to take up our sins for our sake and paid the ultimate price. With the shedding of his blood. Because he wanted us to know the depth of his love. How can we not trust a God like that? How can we not wait for a God like that to move? He talks about earlier in the book that we we have this problem of doubting. We start to wonder things look bad. God must have forgot about me. How could I be sitting in this hospital room? How can I be writing these checks that I know ain't going to go through? (laughs) How could I be struggling through my different relationship ups and downs, caught up in the same broken relationships over and over again? How, How do I keep getting in these same patterns that just hurt me over and over again? There can't be a God. He wouldn't possibly let me go through this. Well, I got some kind of bad news for you. Yes, he will. And he knows what's best for us. I had an amazing conversation with my sister-in-law last night, and she's given me permission to share this with you. She's gone through an incredible season these last couple of months. You may have heard about um, a couple of months ago, there was um, some children that were killed in Oakland when somebody shot into the apartment. Those were her grandchildren. She's gone through an incredible time dealing with physical issues, just got out of surgery. She's had this incredible season of suffering and there's no way to sugarcoat it and so she came to our house and she's staying with us for a few days and it was amazing just to hear her talk it was amazing to hear and see the spirit of God in a woman who's had some incredible trials she wasn't angry she wasn't bitter She was thankful for what God was doing in her life. She was thankful for for what God is showing her about who she used to be and who she's becoming. She was thankful for the lessons that she learned in suffering that she's still learning right now because she's waiting on God to deliver the things that she can't possibly do on her own. People of God, there is a blessing in the midst of brokenness. There is growth that God is trying to work out for us. But we can't control the timing. We can't make it happen when we think we should. We we can't make God pop up and move because we think it's time. We do all the work that we can. We do all the preparation that we can and then we stand and wait for our God. Wait. Wait. The second part of James tells us that we need to pray. James chapter 5. Uh, Verse number thirteen. Is any one of you in trouble? (laughs) He should pray. Trouble comes in a lot of different shapes and sizes. Trouble Trouble sneaks up on us sometimes and we don't see it coming. Trouble is always right around the corner. Either we're just getting in it or we're just getting out of it. And his response to those situations, no matter what flavor of trouble you may be facing, is to pray. And maybe if you just came out of trouble and you're in a time of blessing, you're in a time of celebration, things are pretty good. Well, then he says, then you should be singing songs of praise. It's time to celebrate. It's time to acknowledge, God, you didn't keep me in the valley forever. There's some sunshine in this life. There are some blessings around me. I need to pause and stop and see that God is still making his mercies new every single day. And I should praise God for those things that he's doing. And then he gets out to one, the the third category, is any one of you sick? Anybody sick? We can misunderstand that word and this next portion of scripture, probably more than any other portion of scripture that I've heard preached or taught or, or referred to. It says some things that seem awfully odd to us here. If one of is any one of you sick, if so, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. the Lord will raise him up now i've heard that referred to as some kind of get out of the hospital free card that i 'm not feeling good and this says if I pray that I'm supposed to start feeling good and God is supposed to heal me and deliver me and then I get to go home with a clean bill of health. It doesn't take much experience to realize that that's not exactly how God's works. So either the Bible is wrong, God is lying, or we need to get a bigger perspective about what the scripture is saying. I want I want us to draw attention to the word sick. Because not only are we impatient, but we are enamored by the physical realm. But God is not physical. Matter of fact, neither are you. You are a spiritual being in relationship with the spiritual God. And so when God talks about healing, we have to remember that he sees something bigger than just these physical Hydrogen units that we're rolling around in right now. My uh, uncle passed several years ago. And as my cousin was doing the eulogy, he's a uh, pastor, chaplain, and he got up. And, and it was one of my first experiences with death in my family. Um, I was probably a teenager and I hadn't seen a lot of death in my real close immediate family. So I was sitting there and I was still just trying to figure this out. And the casket is there and my... My cousin is preaching, and and he says this phrase that has stuck with me for for decades. He says, don't don't cry for my father. Don't don't be sad. Matter of fact, he's not here right now. This, This casket that you see, that's not my father. That's just the car he drove around in. And I love that. But we get so caught up in the cars that we're driving around in. We got some cars on loan for a little while. Some of us got Mercedes, some of us got Yugos. (laughs) It's how it goes. We don't all have the same physical bodies. We don't all deal with the same physical issues. But when God talks about healing, he's talking about much more than just the exterior shell. See, when you're talking to a spiritual God or about a spiritual God, all of his healing starts with the spiritual beings that he created. That's why it said in the next verse, if, if, if your sickness is related to your sin, then pray about that and you will be forgiven. Because he's trying to heal us, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. As I sat there and I looked at my sister-in-law, and I'm, I'm hearing this woman who has who, who had incredible trials and tribulations, and her body is racked with pain. She can barely move. She's struggling to get up and down the stairs. She, she's clearly tired and worn out. But to see the glow of the Spirit of God on her face, she's never looked better. She's never been in better shape. It's not the physical. God has done something that has healed her and restored her and is blossoming out of her. And when he says, I will heal you and raise you up, he means become one of my children. Turn to me in your hour of need. Cling to me as the rock of your salvation, and I will deliver you. I know you got the body. It don't work that great. I'm going to give you a new one when you get up here with me. I got a brand new body. It won't wear out. It won't fade. You won't get tired. I will take away every blot and blemish you will be clean and pure and holy and righteous and you'll look just like my son Jesus. And that is what that farmer who was waiting patiently knew. His crop was so valuable that his circumstances paled in comparison. So here's the question. How valuable is the coming of the Lord to you? That's what the crop is. That's what the blessing is. He said, don't worry about your suffering. Don't be overwhelmed by your circumstances because the Lord is coming soon. And by the way, you're a mist. God knows us. He knows that we are from dirt and we're going right back to it when it's all over with. And so here's what I want to give us. I I want to give us a little bit of, of thought that because when we think about these steps, And we think about how do we wait? How do we wait for God? We wait for God. Whoops. We wait for God because we know that God knows. I know that God knows about my problems. I know that God knows about my weaknesses. I know that God knows about the brokenness in my life. I know God knows about the suffering and the pain that I have. He's not an absentee landlord. He is with me. He is Emmanuel. He came down here and demonstrated that He would be with me through the uh, mountaintops and also the valleys. I wait on God because I know that He sees me and He loves me and He keeps me. I'm healed. Because I know that God is a healing God. It's what he does. It's in his nature. He's not an author of chaos. He's the author of purity and righteousness and wholeness and healing. It's who he is. He couldn't do anything different if he wanted to. It's the nature of God to restore and redeem. I wait for God. I pray for God because I know that he is a healer. And then the last thing I do is I love. I love. Even in the midst of my suffering. It didn't say wait till the suffering is over. It didn't say wait till everything is rosy and you got all your stuff together. It says in verse number 19, if one of you should wander from the truth, then someone should bring him back. By the way, that's probably somebody who's out there wandering themselves and on the way back to God, by the way. See, because I can't possibly speak into everybody's circumstances. There are people who have been through life's trials and tribulations that I have no concept of what that must have been like. But somebody in this room does. In this room, we have every flavor of the suffering of this world. In this room. we have broken marriages. In this room, we have domestic violence. In this room, we have abandoned children. In this room, we have addiction. Every flavor of suffering that the world has ever seen is in this place. But God wanted it that way because we need each other. Because your story gives me hope. Because your story is designed for somebody that God will bring in this place to walk behind you and beside you. Because God will not waste any drop of suffering. Not one tear that you've cried will he not use to redeem for his glory and your benefit. He's a healing God. It's what he does. It's who he is. And I know that I can receive that healing from the one who's the perfecter of every brokenness, who's the Restorer of every hurt. There is no situation on this world that your God can't love you back from. And because I love uh, because he loves me, I have the capacity to love somebody else. It's an overflow. When I receive the love from God, when I acknowledge it, when I see him moving, when I allow him to do something in me that I couldn't do for myself, and I'm just grateful that I have enough compassion to love somebody else who's hurting and broken along the way too. James is trying to give us a word that transcends our own circumstances. He knows we're flawed. He knows we make mistakes. He knows we've made some bad calls. But he knows that our God is bigger than all of our problems. He knows that God looks at us and sees us beautifully because the blood of Jesus has made us into something brand new. He sees what we're going to be, not what we've been before. Just like Gideon, that story from the Old Testament, Gideon is is about to be used by God in a powerful way. Meanwhile, he's hiding out in the barn. And an angel shows up to him and says, hello, mighty warrior. Do look like Pee Wee Herman and cuddled up in a bu- in a barn somewhere. He said, you can't possibly be talking to me. I'm the least Of the least of the tribe of Benjamin I got nothing to bring to the table but God saw beyond his physical God saw beyond his circumstances God saw what he could be if he allowed God to come into him and move through him and he's doing the same thing for you and me and that's what James is calling us to not to try to do it on our own Because we're going to fail. Not to try to put the pieces together because we're smart enough or got enough training or even said enough good prayers. But that we're willing to stand before a holy God and say, God, I surrender all that I have to you. Have your way in me, God, I need you. And to be still and know that God is God. and wait and pray and love i want us to end our time by just doing what james has called us to do anybody in trouble Anybody sick? Sick of beating your head against the wall. Sick about the same patterns of brokenness in your life. Sick of knowing God but not feeling the power of God moving through your life. Sick of feeling lonely and empty needing a redeeming God who can give you purpose and give you hope. James says, if that's you, then call upon the elders and let them anoint you with oil. Now, there's two things about that that are really important. The elders are those among us Who have discernment, who have wisdom, who know the word of God, and can pray with us and speak God's words of healing into our lives. They're not mystical or magical, they're just people. But they're people that God has called to be the hands and feet of his love. And James says, if you're sick, Tell somebody. If you're broken, tell somebody. I've put you in this family so that the hands and feet of God can surround you and encourage you. Stop keeping it a secret. Because I can't heal you if you won't bring it to me. Now we can talk to God and we can pray to God and we can be with God. But the way God works is he put us in family so that we can show each other God. So that we can cry together. We can laugh together. that We can be the people of God together. So I want to invite you to come down and bring whatever stuff you've been carrying. And allow the elders of this church to anoint you and to pray for you and allow God's healing power to be used in this moment to restore you. And I want you to think about all the reasons why you shouldn't get up. I want you to think about all the lies that the devil is starting to put into your mind right now why you're not the one who needs to come down front and have everybody look at me and know that something's wrong. Anybody who doesn't have anything wrong is in the wrong building. Because my God came for broken people and broken relationships and broken circumstances that he knows that we can't fix on our own. And he said... Come and bring it before the elders and pray prayers in faithfulness and allow my people to heal you and make you brand new.
0: Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard. Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 1030 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.